Welcome to Talking With Tech. I'm your host, Rachel Mano, joined as always by Chris Bougay. Hey, Chris. How's it going, Rachel? Aren't you super excited? Did you come back from ATIA, completely excited and stoked your first ATIA? Tell us all about it. It was amazing, Chris. I loved everything about ATIA. It was just like my people. That's the, like, if I could only describe ATIA in two words, I would be like, my people because it was just a bunch of people that I felt like I connected with instantly. It was like, I met people who I was just thinking, it feels like we've known each other our whole lives, but we actually haven't, we just met. Um, people obviously really interested in technology. Um, I just loved everything about it. So let's walk people through it. It was your first ATIA, but it was my 1700th one. <laughs> it was your 7,000th <laughs> ATIA. <laughs> yes, I've been going to ATIA for many, many years. Um, and so for me, I've mentioned it before on the podcast that it is sort of like getting together at Thanksgiving with my extended family, you know, seeing all the old friends, all the people that I've connected with over social media. Um, certainly ATIA has been using uh, Twitter before Instagram was a thing. I remember meeting, uh, talking to some people who were like, I'm starting to use Instagram. Like, uh, it was like a very small thing when ATIA uh, was like, when we were, when we were all ramping up around Twitter. So a lot of people have known each other through Twitter and have corresponded through Twitter. Would you, would they, would you agree that Twitter was sort of, um, uh, many people knew each other because of that platform? 100% everybody knew each other through Twitter. <laughs> I felt left out, which we can totally tell the story about AT Chat because I feel like that's a funny story to share. Um, but yes, I think a lot of the relationships were formed through Twitter. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Okay, well, before we get to the AT Chat story, let's break it down for people. So we get there, um, we meet a bunch of people and say hello, I was introducing you to a bunch of people, but then we had to like go and hide someplace because we had the the final touches to put on our pre-conference, right? Um, we, we, we scrolled ourselves away up in your hotel room, we opened up our laptops, and we looked at the pre-conference information. We had sent out uh, a Padlet and a Google form to the people who had registered for the pre-conference to kind of like say, well, what do you really want to learn about? We will customize. So although you and I had met and we had a, an entire plan, we really didn't know right up until that the night before how we were going to tweak it based on the feedback we were getting from people. You know, I feel like when people come to a conference a day early and they spend quite a bit of money to come see us present, I feel like we need to customize the experience to the people in the room. And I feel like that's exactly what we did. And so we took everyone's feedback and we were like, okay, uh, here are some topic areas that we didn't necessarily cover or cover in depth. So we added some slides, rearranged some things. Um, and you know, ultimately I think that that is something that creates a really, a really amazing experience because we're really, you know, teaching people what they feel like they need to learn more about and to talk more about. Um, and so I think that was, while, while it was unfortunate for us because I had serious FOMO that we were missing all the fun of the first night that we got to Orlando, um, I definitely feel like it was worth it and our pre-conference was awesome. Now, I did not feel that way at all because we bring the fun, Rachel, right? The, all those people were missing out on us making our pre-conference. Uh, I'm joking, everybody. <laughs> joking. We totally had FOMO. <laughs> <laughs> so we did bring the fun the next day, though. That certainly the pre-conference was um, 
well, I would really be interested in hearing everyone who participated, what their thoughts were. But I know you and I afterwards uh, left feeling, again, really energized about the conversations we had, um, about the interactions we had. It was so much dialogue, so many activities, um, so many big takeaways. Uh, I, I remember one person was like, I'm so glad you're putting names to things that I've been trying to describe but I didn't know how to describe them, um, and I didn't know how to con to convey those to my constituents. Uh, and this particular person was a um, a university professor that had come and was talking, uh, thinking, looking for strategies to support the pre-service teachers and the speech therapists that she's working with. And and um, remember, she was like, I, just giving us names for things was a big takeaway. But I think everybody left having a, a, a fantastic time. Would you Would you agree? Yeah. And I think the other thing that's so nice about a smaller uh, group of people is that we all left with friends. So we were all friends at the end of it and everyone made connections with each other. I was finishing out the conference the next couple of days, seeing all the people who had attended and knowing them on a first name basis. And it just, that's one of the most powerful things also about being together in one place is that we were able to build relationships and connections. And uh, I had a blast. It was so fun. That has happened every year for me doing pre-conferences where you see those people and then you see them again and again and again and again throughout the conference and you're constantly making connections with them and catching up. Like, so what did you learn? What did I miss? You know, or seeing yourselves like later on in the conference, your shoulder partners with them in another session. Right. Um, and, and then, you, like you said, you leave the conference having that deeper connection and you know you're going to be uh, besties from then on. Do you know what I mean? Uh, they've entered into your professional learning network um, and you're in theirs and they're in yours and you'll continue to collaborate and rely on each other from then on out. And not just um, you and I, but each other, right? I certainly saw people palling around afterwards and because we had such um, an amazing group of people that were willing to share and have that that sort of interaction, that sort of dialogue. It was awesome. I can't wait till we do our next pre-conference, probably to ATAA next year. And I'm, I'm an ATAA person now. I'm going every year. I'm like, this is the first year of many years to come for me. For sure. I, I'm confident we'll be invited to present and do that pre-conference again next year, which will be slightly different, right? With a new group of people and meeting their needs. Um, we'll see what kind of stuff. We, we talked about some very timely things in our session just to have open discussions about them. Uh, two, any two pre-conference sessions are never the same. So if you missed it this year, and certainly numbers were down because of the pandemic, um, we had a, a, a the number of people registered went down and down and down because they couldn't come last minute. Some people got sick. Some people just couldn't make the, make the trip. Understandable this year, but mark it in your calendars for next year. You want to be there because it's going to be a blast. So Rachel, now with that said, um, we left the pre-conference that day and other stuff happened. I'm just curious, what, um, what are some of your takeaways? What were some of your experiences? What are, what are some things you, um, that you went to see, maybe sessions you went to see? I don't know what were, Let's just talk open open here. What are some of the your takeaways? I think that one of the most powerful sessions that I attended was um, a session on ableism by India Oaks, which India Oaks has been on our podcast. So if you haven't listened to that episode, go back and listen to it. And <laughs> right out the gate, Chris, she, she what I loved about her session was, you know, obviously she defined what ableism is. 
But what was so nice was that she actually gave, it was, she gave exact examples from flyers, from websites, from social media, you know, and we looked at it as a group and we decided what is, what is ableist about this? How do we identify ableism? And I, I love right out the gate, India is like pulling up, um, you know, I don't know if it was from the website. I think it was from the website at ATAA, <laughs> the conference she was literally presenting at and was like, let's talk about what's ableist about, you know, this sign up. Um, and so anyway, I, I love that she didn't hold back. And, you know, it was really eye opening to me because I obviously, you know, care about the subject matter and we have a lot of people with disabilities who come on this podcast and we talk about people with disabilities and, you know, I want to make sure what I'm doing is not ableist in any way and examining my own, um, you know, biases and not even just plain ignorance in a lot of ways. Um, and so I thought it was a really helpful session and so much so, Chris, that, you know, we talked after and it, it dawned on me we have these opportunities to speak with individuals with disabilities on our podcast. Um, I'd love for them to share what their experiences with ableism have been. Um, I think that'd be really insightful for our listeners. Um, so, you know, I just thought it was really well done. I loved that it was super interactive and I, tr I learned a ton. Um, so that was for sure a highlight for me. So speaking of India, I was not able to be at that session because I had another meeting. But India was one of those people that the first night she was um, hanging out, milling around uh, before when we had to go and we had to go work on our pre-conference. And I'll just say um, between India and I, everyone else, you can not listen to this part. This is just between India and I. India was trying to corrupt me uh, into watching Star Wars without my family. The Book of Boba Fett is out right now. I watch it with my family. She's like, Chris, let's watch it. And we we almost went to her room uh, with Mike Morata to watch the Book of Boba Fett. I was like, wait a sec, I cannot, my family and I do this together. We're going to wait to come back. She's like, forget your family, just come do it. I was like, no, India, I'm not going <laughs> to. Love, love it. Yeah, yeah. So I'm so sad that I missed that session, but I think that is a, an important conversation that um, we don't have enough, um, uh, especially here in 2022. We're having it more than ever, and it's still not enough. So it's so great that uh, that, that happened. I feel like that's, like you said, our podcast is a great platform for that, where people can share their experiences, either uh, by reaching out to us and saying, let's have a, an episode about it, sending us an audio clip, or just sharing it via our various social media out outlets, uh, like our Facebook group or Instagram, um, sharing some stories like that would help continue to shine a light on those sorts of um, uh, those sorts of things that are happening out in the world that so many people don't even realize are happening. Absolutely. And what I appreciate about ATIA is that there's lots of AAC users who present. And so those were my favorite sessions by far. Um, I got to meet Chris Klein, which was super exciting because Chris and I have been friends um, online channels for quite a bit of time. He's been on our podcast. Definitely listen to the Chris Klein episode all about motor planning. Um, but Chris Klein actually had a session on Saturday morning that uh, you and I attended. And 
again, he shared his experiences and shared kind of the takeaways for communication partners when you're interacting with an AAC user. And so again, it was super relevant, very, um, you know, easy to listen to. He was sharing his stories and experiences of his life. And I just found it really powerful to listen to kind of his experiences and to learn from those experiences on how to be a better communication partner. Um, so I love that. I also got to attend the distinguished lecture, uh, by Lance McElmore again, been on the podcast. I feel so good about saying that Chris, that we've had all of these AAC users on the podcast already. Um, but he's always, uh, he's always fun to listen to, uh, especially cause he, de he definitely does not hold back. Um, and I just really enjoyed everything that he had to say. Um, and definitely think that the, uh, award was well-deserved. Speaking of FOMO, I did miss, I missed Lance's session because again, I had another meeting uh, to talk to some people about creating accessible PDFs. Um, and I missed the India Oaks presentation because I actually had to conference hop. I had to run over to FETC that day, which is the Future Educators Technology Conference, which was happening at the exact same time. And that conference is a conference built more for uh, general education, which I feel like it's important to have a presence there because those are the educators that you can't get to inclusion with just special ed and you can't get to inclusion with just general ed. You need to <laughs> include everybody. So I had two sessions that I did over there and it's such a bummer to miss India's session um, and to then later on to miss Lance's session. But like you said, having them on the podcast feels like we got to have our own conversation with them. And Happy to do it again. So Chris, what, I'm curious, we went to different sessions. So I'm really curious what some of your favorite sessions were, what your takeaways were. Um, I mean, we attended some sessions together, but we definitely did some dividing and conquering because it's impossible to see it all. And we figured, okay, you go to this one, I'll go to this one, and then we'll report back. Yes, I have to say it was super fun to be in some of the sessions with you, shoulder to shoulder, whispering things like, what do you think about that? What do you think about this? You know, and uh, sending little gifts back and forth. It, it helps me remember first, enjoy the experience even more, but two, kind of remember the content better and really uh, process it better when you have somebody there to kind of um, bounce ideas off of, you know, so I appreciate you being there. But then, like you said, there were other sessions where it was like, well, I really want to go to this one. You go to this one and then we'll meet up afterwards and we'll talk about it. And even if we didn't, we knew we would now uh, here on the podcast. Exactly. So one of the sessions that I went to was uh, an early morning session on virtual reality in uh, transition and preparing people for transitioning out of school into their next environment, like uh, uh, the workforce. And what this, uh, what this, the person presenting was named Maggie Mosier from the University of Kansas, but representing a cadre of other people that, for some reason, and maybe I just missed it, they weren't there. Um, they had. Two, they had shipped a bunch of virtual reality headsets that got lost or shipped to the wrong place, so we couldn't actually um, do the experience. But that was going to be part of the of the session was to actually put the goggles on and do it. Um, but what they were showing was some virtual reality experiences built in a tool called Voice Advisor, and so we'll put this in the show notes. But it's V O I S S. Advisor, so it's not voice like V-O-I-C-E, it's V-O-I-S-S -S advisor.org. And 
that website has some experiences that you can experience in two dimensions, like we are right now on a, on a laptop, um, or you can put on the headset goggles and you can actually participate in them. And the way that sort of works is that, so you imagine you're a student and you put on the goggles or you participate in the, in the experience with, through, the, through the laptop. And what, you're, what the experience is, is there's this uh, avatar of a, let's say it's a grocery clerk or it's a cafeteria worker or something. And so that person might kick off some some sort of interaction where they say, let's say it was someone at the cafeteria might say, um, did you find everything okay? And then there'll be four different options will appear on the screen and you choose a response. And then there's a little coach too that would give you feedback like, well, if you said that, if the way you said that the way, if you chose that response, the other person might think it's rude or something like that. So again, I'm sort of summarizing what I heard. I had only briefly glanced at the website and I have yet to go to the website since we've come back, but I'm eager to explore it because then we started into a rich discussion about, well, okay, what kind of experiences exist that are the inverse of this? Like what exists where it's not teaching a a uh, person with a disability how to interact, but what if it's teaching a person how to have more wait time? If some, uh, so how do you teach the cafeteria worker what to do when someone comes up and they have a communication device, let's say, you know? Um, and so we brainstormed that, we talked about that. We also, because these are people from university and they're doing research, they talked about the a uh, little bit of the, the difference between why virtual reality versus the two two-dimensional um, reality and have that same interaction and what they found again I, I i hope i'm not screwing up the 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 analysis here but what they found is by having uh, the same experience one virtual virtual reality in three dimensions and the same experience having two dimensions is that the results were the same you had the same carryover in either place on a short-term basis but longer term generalization, the VR did better. It stuck for longer term if you did VR. Um, and so immediately I went up afterwards and I was like, hey, uh, we do this podcast. So we're going to try and get this person on the podcast to talk about it even deeper. We talked a little bit about what it's like. How does someone practice if they're an AAC user and they're wearing virtual reality goggles, right? And they can't see their AAC. Uh, it was really interesting. People had brainstormed through this too. Like, well, maybe we make a virtual version of it. So they, you know, they look down in their three-dimensional space and there's their communication device. But then how do you program that in so that it's actually their communication device and not some, you know, some generic one? So I could go on forever about this, but that was the one that really... It, it uh, hooked me because I feel like, uh, especially in, in, in this day and age, we're talking about the future of employment. We're talking about work being in the metaverse and virtual reality. This is a topic we can't ignore. And so I was really excited to see people working uh, with people with disabilities um, in, in, in creating experiences in this space. I am obsessed with virtual reality. This is something that maybe you didn't know about me, Chris, but a long, well, not that long ago, but I'd say like right when I moved to LA, which was at this point, like eight years ago, I was really interested in virtual reality and how it could potentially be used in a therapeutic way um, to help with communication partner training, with social, you know, types of interactions and conversational skills, all these things. And so I would go to all of these tech events 
where they were based on, you know, augmented and virtual reality. But I was definitely the only speech therapist there. And so it was funny because people would say, like, what do you do? And they thought I was like, you know, in some tech startup. And I'm like, no, I'm like, I'm a speech language pathologist. <laughs> um, and so I definitely got really interested in the potential there. And I feel like what's really cool is that now we're really seeing this being used. And I'm really excited to see kind of what the future holds for it. I'm sad I didn't see that session, but I'm happy that you could tell me all about it. And if you didn't see Rachel playing in virtual reality, you got to check it out on our YouTube. We got together over winter break and played a little virtual reality ourselves and got some footage of Rachel uh, flying a flying a, uh, a sled in the sky, I think, and flying around a city and stuff. Yeah, it's really actually what I love about that video, Chris, is that you know, obviously I didn't know you were recording me. <laughs> That's the first thing. So that makes it funny. Um, but it's like, I'm literally talking nonstop. Like I'm not, there's no pause in me talking. And so it's just like to think about the impact this can have with this, the students that we work with who, you know, have challenges with communication and we're constantly trying to pull language out of them. You know, what is the potential when we put some type of really fun, engaging technology and in into the session, like how can that change the outcomes? So I feel like that's the that was the takeaway after I watched that video. Well, first I was like, oh my god, I'm so embarrassed, and then I was like, just kidding, I'm not that embarrassed. It's fine. And then third, I was like, think about the impact this can have on the students that we work with. And just to be clear, we got permission. I got your permission to share it and put it together. <laughs> he, did, he, did. <laughs> he didn't. He didn't like totally blindside me by posting it on a on our Facebook group. Yeah. So it re brings us back to that sort of question of um, you, we hear it all the time. Well, this student's not motivated by anything. And I always want to say, like, did you try VR? Did you try AR? Have you played Minecraft? Have you done robots? You haven't tried any of these things. So let's not say they're not motivated by anything when there's a whole world of things we have yet to try. Totally agree. All right. Back to ATIA. So one of the other, um, I think, really powerful moments for me, uh, just to reflect, I got to say it, I got to talk about it. And that was the Joy Zabala tribute uh, session. It wasn't a session. It was just a get together where her family was there. Uh, Joy Zabala passed away this past year. I, I mentioned it on the podcast. Uh, Melissa, my wife and I got on and talked about um, our experiences with Joy. Uh, Joy um, wrote the forward of my book. You know what I mean? So the preface of the book. She's been a, such a, a, an incredible mentor over the years. And to gather with all the people and learn of similar stories where she was a mentor to this person and that person. And uh, it, it's funny, what, one of the things that they talked about was how Joy always knew your kids' names. And I was like, yeah, she always would call my kids by their first names. Like she knew them, like, you know, like she was their Aunt Joy, you know, like your Auntie Rachel, you know, like they just she just knew everybody's name. Um, so it was fantastic to hear these stories. It was fantastic to share that moment with everybody. Um, and what I really want to highlight, and again, we'll put in the show notes, is that a fellowship was created in her honor, all about assistive technology and accessible education materials, which is another passion of Joy's. Um, and the fellowship has three parts where you can participate. One, you can sign up to be a mentor 
for someone new to the field, someone new learning about accessible education materials or new learning about assistive technology, um, you can sign up to be that student. So that's the second way is like, well, I'd like to be um, uh, someone who is mentored. Uh, that's another way you can participate. And then the third way is to submit donations to uh, to the fellowship. And so, like I said, we'll share all that. They had these um, uh, an amazing board where you could write down different memories of joy and put them up. And they printed these cards all about the fellowship uh, that's hanging up in my cubicle in my office right now. Um, two of them actually, so you could see both sides with a nice QR code that takes you to the fellowship. I, I took a stack with me to hand out at future presentations um, to continue uh, to continue banging this drum, to get continue uh, shouting from the rooftops that uh, that that Joy's legacy will live on um, and in multiple ways. So Joy touched many many people's lives, and it was great for us to commune together to celebrate her life. So switching gears here, Rachel, let me ask you this. So something I've noticed over the years at ATIA is that there's always an undercurrent that I find of a particular topic. Like a few years ago, it was like core vocabulary. You could not go to ATIA without tripping over a session that had the word core in the title, right? Um, and so there's other things like that that have happened. Modeling was one year, you know? Um, and so I'm just curious, was there something coming away from ATIA that was... Again, the undercurrent, the buzz everyone was talking about. You, you, you saw it at different sessions, um, at uh, in the evenings when you were um, uh, commiserating with friends and talking about, you know, having poolside chats. Though it was kind of cold most of the time, <laughs> um, but still, we were outside for some of it underneath the heat, the the, the heaters. Um, conversations that keep coming up. Well, did you find there was something like that here at this at ATIA? There was, Chris. Do you know what it was? Um, I bet I know what it was, uh, but I'm curious if it's the same thing you think it was. Gestalt, language processing, and AAC. Yes, that was certainly the topic of discussion. Multiple private discussions, went to a session on it, multiple conversations in group, like when I say in group, like groups afterwards when, again, standing around the heaters um, or sitting at uh, uh, in different little, I mean, all sorts of different, it wasn't just like these same three people, it was like, so many different people were talking about it. Was that your your same experience? Absolutely. I think that even we talked about it a lot, Chris. We talked about it at our pre-conference, had a really amazing discussion um, all about what is Gestalt language processing? How does it impact our AAC users? How does it impact the way that we're teaching language through AAC? Um, so yeah, it was definitely uh, all the buzz. I think we definitely need to cover um, this more on the podcast. If you guys haven't listened to Alexandria Zakos episode, she talks all about Gestalt language processing. So we have a, a episode to link to um, that we've already done, but I felt like I kind of left ATIA with almost more questions than answers. <laughs> well, that's one of the brilliant things about ATIA is that you don't just hear a social media post or just one podcast episode. Uh, the podcast episode is a great example of where you can have some sort of uh, media content and then what's so great about ATA is have a discussion about it. And I can hear someone else's perspective or what they've learned and someone else can share and then you're bouncing off each other. And so having that rich discussion about that topic, really, like you, like you said, I certainly walked away uh, from ATIA. I left ATIA thinking, okay, well, there's so many questions about this. Like, what's the, uh, 
what's the right path for me to learn more? You know, because it's definitely a topic that needs further exploration. Could not agree more. And what's cool about ATAA is that it's like AAC legends are there. Like I like bumped into Gail Van Tatenhove and I was like, Gail, hey, girl, hey. <laughs> and so it's just like you're having these discussions with leaders in our field, uh, which is really exciting. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. So, Rachel, there's so much more we could talk about. I feel like maybe are you feeling like maybe this should be a two part episode? I'm feeling like maybe this should be a two part episode because I'm feeling like there's still so much more we could talk about. We can definitely make it a two-part episode, Chris. So there's still so much for us to talk about. I want to learn about your experiences about uh, AT Chat. We teased it. We never really talked about it. We're running out of time. Um, let's talk about EdCamp. We totally want to hear your, this is your first EdCamp experience, so I want to hear about that. Uh, I want to know if you spent any time in the vendor hall, if you saw anything that was interesting. Maybe not. I want to talk about AT Maker Day. Uh, I went to that and talk a little bit about what I saw there uh, and so much more. There's still so much more. Uh, anything else do you think we should mention in the next uh, session? Chris, there's so much more. So we're going to put a pause right now and we will continue next week with part two of our ATA experience. Talk with you then.